Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast in collaboration with the Conservative Yeshiva in Jerusalem. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the Daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about the Conservative Yeshiva, please visit conservativeyeshiva.org. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Welcome to Daily Duff Differently. I'm Rabbi Utsteyer, and today we're studying Duff Tet 9 of the first parak of Tractate Nedarim. So we are starting a new Mishnah on the top of the page. Kinidre Reshaim Nadab Nazir Uve Korban Uvishwa Kinidre Ksharim Lo Amaklum Kinidvutam Nadab Nazir Uve Korban. So if someone says, like the vows of the of the wicked, that person has made a vow in regards to becoming a Nazir or in regards to bring a korban, or in regards of being bound by an oath. If one says, like the vows of the righteous, he hasn't said anything. If the person says, like their vows, he has made a nether, either in regards to becoming a nazir, or in regards to bringing a korban. So far our Mishnah. So, reshaim here means people... Well, they are not really wicked, but they are, let's call them careless. They are careless with their words. People like that have a tendency, in the heat of the moment, to make all kinds of oaths and vows. And therefore, as this is their habit, if a person refers to them, making a vow by referring to them as the vows of the, of the wicked, it is indeed effective because this is exactly how these kind of people behave. The consequences are that this becomes an, an effective vow. Okay? But if one says, ksharim, on the other hand, like the vows of the righteous people, it doesn't constitute a valid vow, because everybody knows that kosher people, righteous people, are very careful with their words and don't make nidarim like this hastily. The Tosfot explains that righteous people would not make Nedarim to prohibit things which the Torah allows to start with. And we see again here how reluctant the rabbis are in regards to anything that has to do with vows and oaths. On the one hand, words are considered very powerful. And to make a vow, which by definition always involves God's name, it's a thing not to be taken lightly. But the rabbis very generally are not very crazy about having people going around and making all kinds of vows, obligating them to do or to refrain from things. It says a lot about how the rabbis looked at this. And when we read in the Torah about the Nazir, that such a person had to bring a sin offering at the end of his or her period of Nazirut, it tells us something about what the general attitude towards these kind of vows was. So, if we are going back to the text in our Mishnah, a righteous person might make nedavot, and these become binding 
if a person refers to those ki nidvutam nadar. So the difference between nedarim and nedavot is a question of personal liability. Now the Rosh and the Ran explain that the difference is that in the case of a nedar, the person makes a more broadly phrased vow. For instance, I will bring a sacrifice of a certain kind of animal. But you haven't specified the specific animal that you had in mind. So if that person then later dedicates a specific animal, but for some reason whatsoever, this animal, this specific animal then is lost, it runs away, or it dies, or it in any in, well, or it becomes somehow injured, the obligation still stands because the obligation was, or what you said in your vow was, I will bring a sacrifice. A sacrifice, not that particular animal. So that means that you have to replace that animal with another animal. But in the case of Nedavot, on the other hand, here the person dedicates a specific animal as offering for his or her vow. So if that specific animal that was already mentioned in the vow subsequently dies or is lost or in any, in, in any other way becomes um, a pasul, <clears throat> no further obligation exists because the specific animal for which the vow was made is no longer available. End of story. So in the mind of the Mishnah, this is preferable. Because righteous people do not make vows of which they cannot oversee the extent of the obligation. In the case of a nether, on the other hand, you don't. You don't really see where this will lead you in the end. So, let's continue. Or go back to the case of the Nazir here. We know that the Nazir that becomes impure due to the contact with a dead body that person is subject to bring a ola echatat in an asham offering. But more so, the days that he or she has spent already as a nazir are annulled, and the person has to start all over from the beginning. So now when we read on the bottom of our page 9b that Rabbi Yonah, uh, that the reason that uh, says Rabbi Yonah says that the reason that uh, Shimon HaTzadik refused to eat from these kind of sacrifices that a Nazir brought because he had become impure is, uh, it's also explained in Rashi, if you have a look, um, when a person makes a Nazir vow, so this is always for a certain period of time, this is already a major commitment. But then, if the Nazir becomes impure from a dead body, he or she has to start the period of Nazirut again. So the time already spent as Nazir doesn't count. So Shimon HaTzadik assumes that a Nazir at that point is, let's say it out loud, is rather fed up with being a Nazir. And when he or she then has to bring the required sacrifices that basically will revert him to the beginning, he or she is doing so half-heartedly. So Shimon HaTzedek considers then these kind of half-hearted sacrifices as chulin, as unconsecrated, and hence they are forbidden to eat.
I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the open and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epic Horus album One Bead, available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.